Welcome, friends, to another episode of The Human Voice. As always, Bob Hutchins here with you. With me today is Mr. Daniel Brown. And Daniel and I have a bit of a history. Actually, we have quite a long history. We've known each other since uh, we were very young, probably 11, 12, 13 years old, somewhere in there. So a childhood friend, as many of you may know, I grew up in Miami, Florida. And Daniel, just to give you a little bit of background before he jumps in, was born in Daytona Beach, Florida. He spent some time in Phoenix, Arizona. He grew up in Miami, Florida. He went to Florida State University. He got his BS in math education and then went on, not too long after that, to the Church of God Theological Seminary to get a master's in missiology, which means he studied all about missions and he became a missionary to Chile. He and his wife went there. And while he was there, he taught in a Bible school. He helped his brother-in-law start a church. And then they returned to North America and they live still in North Atlanta where they landed and they raised two wonderful girls. Daniel, welcome to the podcast. Hey, happy to be talking to you, Bob. Yeah. Yeah. After all these years, right? (laughs) All these years. It's amazing how we came back and connected again. Yeah. Yeah, it is. You know, you and I have been talking and chatting now for a couple of weeks on and off. And one of the things that that prompted me to say, you know, you should come on the podcast because maybe I should kind of set the stage for the listeners. And I want to hear your, your feedback on, on this statement. But, you know, I remember you and us growing up, we would even go on mission trips together. I remember going to Jamaica once or twice with you. I remember us going to church. We were both brought up in a pretty conservative evangelical setting, but always you were always hungry, as was I, for deeper truth. I remember us always searching and reading and questioning. And as I've reconnected with you now, years later, I found that that, that hasn't changed much. Can you just Kind of talk to me about your gut reaction to what I just said. That's uh, true. I mean, from the beginning to now, that hasn't changed. I've always had that hunger, you know, that that feeling that I can't just be satisfied with what we've learned, what I know from any moment. And I remember, you know, in our early days, like we would be in a Bible study and we would go you know, outside the church norm, right? Outside of what everyone else was studying. We would never use the Southern Baptist Convention Sunday school text or anything like that. And then throughout my life, I've never really, I don't know, I just never liked what was normal, you know, what was mainstream or what was what we were always hearing from everyone else only because, I mean, let's face it, we looked and we, we saw issues, right? That was from right. our younger age. We said, Hey, you know, that that's not quite right. There's something different. There's something, something better mm. than God has for us. And that hasn't changed. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. You know, part of the thing, Dan, that I, that I really seek after is, uh, and this podcast is, is trying to talk to people who've had lots of different experiences and journeys. And ultimately, I think the human experience, no matter what faith or background or socioeconomic or location you come from, is one of of transformation and change. I'm a much different person and have much different beliefs than I I did as that, that young man, that child. And I know you've grown as well. What was a couple of points in your life that as you look back now or key moments 
you know, you can call them doorways or, or key moments that were those doorways to your transformation. Can you just talk about one or two of them? You know, first of all, clearly, you know, we've mentioned it already, you know, our meetings together. Once we started studying grace, that, that has been the keystone of my life, right? Mm. Of understanding God's grace from that point on, right? You know, because we understood at that moment we were living in a, in a world where they talked about grace, but we weren't living by God's grace. Mm. Right? We were mm. just, we were still under the law, following the rules, trying to do the right thing, thinking that's what's going to make us happy, right? So that, that was transformative. And for our listeners, and for our listeners, Dan, would you mind unpacking that a little bit? Because we may have some people who may not have grown up in a religious setting. And so when we mm-hmm. say the word grace, what do we mean and what are we con- contrasting it with, say, for those who may not be familiar with, with our kind of upbringing? Okay. Yeah. And to say it simply, like, let's just say rules, right? We we're given a set of rules, whether no matter what institution you're in and in particular in a religious institution, right? Like, like a church, there's a set of rules. So we can say, Hey, here are the set of rules that you need to follow in order to receive God's blessing. Right. If you think of grace as kind of, you know, this is really simple, but as God's blessing, right? This is, this is my access to God. This is God giving favor to me. And what we found was, is wait, even though we were in a group that said, hey, we believe in God's grace, we really were trying to live by the law. We were trying to live by these set of rules that we had gotten from the church to say, hey, you need to do this, this, or this, or else bad things are going to happen. My example was, at one point in time, we were in a Sunday school class as kids, and I remember the Sunday school teacher saying, hey, you know, here, let me tell you a story. There was this boy, he didn't go to Sunday school, and he got run over by a train and died. Well, what's the message? The message is, if you want God's grace, in this case, life, right, then you need to follow these set of rules. You better be here in Sunday school or bad things are going to happen. Mm. And mm. so that's when we start breaking out of that, right? We were saying, well, no, no, that's not it. That God recognizes that we're not perfect. God recognizes that, that these rules, they're too hard, right? They, they, you, you can't be perfect. You can't do them all. And so that love of saying, hey, I understand that you are not perfect and I'm going to love you no matter what gives a huge amount of freedom. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I would just echo that, um, you know, those of us, those of you who may be listening, who maybe weren't brought up in that, like Dan said, having an understanding of an unconditional divine being, whatever you want to call God, that is truly unconditional, that that love is amazing, a divine love. But being told on the other side uh, simultaneously that this divine love is totally unconditional, but there's also these conditions, which I think what you're saying is that that always never did sit right. Like it's either unconditional or it's not or it's conditional, but it can't be unconditional and conditional at the same time. And that's what I loved about as we were young, young men coming up saying that that doesn't quite logic, but also just understanding and reading other texts, other streams of Christianity, other faiths. There is this divine unconditional love that seems to be a motivation and a factor that really is the source of true transformation and change. Would you agree with that? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. God's grace is universal. It it's it's in every aspect of our life and in this world, right? There's mm-hmm. so many opportunities for us to explore that, right? And and go go beyond the rules that we have in front of us and say, hey, I'm going to explore where God's going to take me. And there's mm-hmm. a freedom in that. And that's why mm-hmm. it's so transformative because I'm not worried about you know, losing my salvation, you know, losing my access to God. Like in the Catholic church is a perfect example of excommunication that says, hey, you can no longer take sacraments and the sacraments were the way that you can get access to God. That same thing happens every day in our churches, right? And I'm not saying they're all bad and and they may be well-intentioned because they want people to be good and they want people to be better. But the end result is you end up putting people in, in what I consider to be in chains and bondage, mm-hmm. right? Into, into rules that they can't keep. And all they have is a life of guilt and despair, as opposed to the freedom that we have in Christ. Mm. And you, you mentioned just understanding unconditional love, grace, that, and really that was a, a change for you. Any, anything else that you can point to and say, you know, this experience was another one of those doorways that has been really transformational to me. Yeah, absolutely. There's a few in my life, but I'll go with one that I took a short-term mission trip to Chile and Argentina, and that's where I met my wife. And meanwhile, I also, while in Argentina, I met her cousin. Uh, and her cousin, Marcos, he, he was a missionary from Chile to Argentina. Doesn't sound like, you know, they're, they're close to each other, whatever, but they do not like each other in general, right? And he, he went through a lot. I mean, he went through some really hard times. So anyways, boil the story down. I'm there at his church. His church doesn't have a roof. It has just, you know, pieces of wood. It's raining. It's raining hard, right? And we're trying to do a service in there. The, the whole church is packed with people, right? I'm thinking, wow, these people, they went and one found out they walked many of them miles to get to church. And, you know, after walking miles to get to church, you know, it's raining. One of the, one of the members of the church, what he did is he went around from house to house gathering raincoats for us that came to visit, right? And when he brought them, he's soaking wet. He's not wearing the raincoats. He had a bunch of them, but he wanted to keep them dry for us. You know, that sort of, wait, this man sacrificed so much. These people are sacrificing so much just to hear God's word. And I'm sitting here thinking, hmm, my church, if it's raining, you can pretty much guarantee that you're going to have a you know, 30% drop in attendance. And that moment, I was like, wow, that's what I want to do. You know, I want to, I want to be a missionary. I want to minister. And, and at that moment, a calling to Hispanics to, you know, see, hey, that, that's it. That's what I want to do. And it, it was so clear to the point of when I came back from that trip, literally got off the plane, arrived at my work, and they laid me off. That was it. The company was going to shut down in six months, whatever. They laid me off. And the guy was sitting here telling me that, you know, hey, you don't have a job. And I'm smiling ear to ear. And he's like, man, I've never had this before. What's something? Something's different. So I have people yell at me. I've had people get mad at me. I've got people who are just, you know, throw things at me. And you're smiling. You're happy as can be that I'm telling you you don't have a job. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. It's like, I have, I have God's call on my life now. I now know what I'm going to do. I know what my purpose is. And since then, 
you know, that's what I've done. I minister Hispanics, mm. whether it's teaching English classes or being a missionary in Chile, whatever, you know, and helping Spanish churches get started. It's been my passion and, and love ever since. That's awesome. Yeah. Ever since I've known you, you've been a very kind and loving and serving person. And I, I, it's beautiful that that's, you know, continued throughout your life. There's something I want to kind of a rabbit trail. I want to go down because, you know, there's another thing about you that I alluded to in the beginning that I find something that we have in common. And that is you, you hold your very dear, sincere, very important faith beliefs that you and your wife, and I'm assuming your family hold close, but just you specifically, I'm talking about now. Mm -hmm. However, you've always held certainty very loosely, meaning it's unusual in many times in the way that we were brought up, Dan, to say, you know, these things we believe and they are important. However, you can't say for certain that they are absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt true. That would be heretical many times <laughs> in certain <laughs> environments, but you've been able to hold that kind of attitude, this kind of scientific method that says, these are, this is true. I will stake my life on them. But if I find evidence that there's something bigger or different, or these are untrue, I will also look at that and I'll change my and adjust my beliefs accordingly. Can you talk to me about number one, where did you learn that? Or where was it modeled to you if it was? And number two, how do you continue to hold on to that throughout your life? Interesting. Cause I don't know where it was modeled to me. I, I can tell you events that, that struck me. And I was like, wait, there's, there's something here. I, you know, simple one is like, I was in the hospital. I was young and this man came to visit me from our church. Right. And I told my dad about it. And my dad told me, yeah, but his, yeah, his theology is not right. He believes something or other, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, but he came to church, right? Yeah, he didn't just come to church. He came, he came to the hospital to visit me, you know, when I was sick. And it was that moment I was like, wait, wait, you know, my dad was wrong there, right? You know, mm. he he said something that I don't think is right. And that was the moment it clicked that I said, oh, wait, wait, wait. So, so everything I'm being taught is not 100% true. So what do you do with that? At that moment, I came to the realization, and it wasn't really then, but through time, that that I'm wrong. You're wrong, mm. you know, mm. and it's okay. You know, I, I look at it and, I, and I've seen my growth over, over years and years and see like, wow, I've been wrong about big things, right? Or mm. I haven't understood big things. I mean, mm. you, you talked to Demay recently and, 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 and understanding the effects that evangelical thought has had on our understanding and what it led to is huge, right? That's a perfect example of saying, right. hey, you know, I was wrong. And so... I've mentioned to you before my favorite subject, the thing I taught in the Bible school in Chile, that my favorite subject in seminary was the history of Christian thought. And there's two things that come from that is, is that Christian thought and belief has changed over the mm. years significantly, not little things like huge changes. Right. And it's pure hubris for me to say, well, my way is right. Right. My way is the right way. And this whole history of Christian thought, we're right right now. And the fact is, oh, we're, we're right. And whatever the future is, they're wrong too, 
We're only us are right. And that's, that's, that can't be true. Right. So that's, that's one thing you learn. It's like, no, no, there, you know, and, and not assuming that I'm right right now, one denomination, I'm in one denomination at that time. And well, there's plenty of other ones. I ended up going to seminary with the church of God, which was different. And they thought about things differently. Right. And the other part of history thought is, is the things we teach has huge impact, right. On the mm. future and what people believe and what they do. You know, the Great Reformation, a lot of people in there were, had deep animosity and hatred and prejudice towards the Jews, right? Mm-hmm. And what did that lead to? You can clearly see that that thought that was preached and taught, right, you know, led to horrific things, you know, that we saw in World War II and throughout history. And so that's a perfect example. And then, yeah, you know, I think as far as like real life experiences now, how do I think about things? What is it that, that I do when, when events happen, I immediately begin to think, think of not only why, but why, what is going to be the reaction of the church? How's the church going to react? How are we, how should we act? Right? Because we we're too much in the moment. We're too much in the, whatever the last book I read, whatever the last sermon I heard, whatever the last podcast I listened to, you know, that's, that's me right then. And I look at things and I say, let's take, you know, the, the pandemic, right? Pandemic happened. When that happened, you know, most people are hoarding toilet paper or whatever. I'm sitting here thinking, well, how, how did that happen in the Bible? Like when, when, when something like that happened in the Bible, how did they react? What about throughout Christian history? If you look like Martin Luther, he, he had that situation happen in his town. Part of his discussion in theology around the plague that hit, you know, black plague that hit his town is, is people were fleeing. And he's mm. like, well, no, you shouldn't flee. You need to serve. If, you're, if you don't have anybody to serve that you can help, okay, fine. But otherwise, you need to stay. And then some of the people who are staying were saying things like, like well, if, if God wants me to get the plague, I'm going to get the plague. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to take medicine. I'm not going to worry about that. I'm just, I'm just going to go and, and, and be fine. Those people died. Right. And so I literally taught a Bible study to my wife's family on that subject. Right. You know, at the beginning of the pandemic. And if you look at it, it's prophetic, right? Well, mm. it's not really prophetic. It's just, this is how Christians behave. Here's how we act. Right. But our, our theology affects us. It affects our decisions and our decisions can kill us. Right. Mm. So, so that's how I see it. And, and so, so I, I look at it as, as it's critical, if nobody is taking a critical look at how we think and how, how we act, then, then we're in trouble, right? It's mm. hurt Christendom in, in general. And I think that hurt many times, it, it's so, it varies so much depending on the person. There was, for me personally, and I can only speak for myself, is there was so much uh, shame attached to so many of the things that that we were taught because either consciously or unconsciously shame is really can be used to wield a lot of power and control. Like you said in the beginning, and I know you mentioned Kristen Dumay and her book, Jesus and John. If you haven't had a chance to go back and listen to that episode, please do. But one of the things that she says is, you know, specifically male leadership in the evangelical church really thrives on you know, shame and control. And, and I think as we think through that and we think at deeper levels, like you're talking about is, is really, really thinking about how it affects people, not just, uh, for instance, physically in a pandemic, 
but also psychologically long-term. Many times the church has been on the wrong side of history when it comes to things like slavery in the South, when it comes to things like women's rights, when it comes to things like you know voting rights, even civil rights issues up until 60s, 70s, 80s, and even today. History always tells us that We can be on the wrong side of things uh, when we're thinking we're on the right. And I just wonder 50, 75, 100 years from now, looking back at this time that we're living in, what are the things that that maybe religious thought could be on the wrong side of? Any thoughts on that? Absolutely. I, you know, to go back to your first point, like our theology of grace is our theology of control. We, we control people with that. We control people and how they behave. And you've got to think that everyone who talks, no matter how nice they sound and no matter how, what role they play, they have an agenda, you know, they, they have something that's, you know, in, in their, their minds as this is really important. And I give an example of that is a common one we talked about is, is when you're in church, they talk about, you know, Old Testament tithing as, hey, you need to do this. Well, why? Why are they saying that? You know, yeah, truly they may believe it, but at the end of the day, they have a staff to, you know, pay. They have all right. these other people, right? And so they put this, this, this bondage on people to say, hey, you have to do this. And if you don't do that, oh, we get back to that guilt. Right. Right. Back to that guilt. And, and, and then with that, we can, we can exercise control. Right. So I think there's a ton of things. I think there's a ton of things in our modern churches that, that are wrong, you know, that, that we're going to look back and say, okay, yeah, that, that, that was not of God. That was not right. Or, or like you said, on the wrong side of history, right. You look Mm. back and you say, Gee, why did that happen? Why did why did they say that? Well, it wasn't just because this is this is the right way. This is God's way. There was actually a purpose behind it. There mm. was a purpose that we want to we want to keep segregation. We want to keep you know things the way they are. All of that is wrong. So as a Christian, we've got to break out of that. We've got to understand that. Hey, guilt doesn't belong. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it has no place because why? Because if, if we really believe, right, if it's, if it's really true that we have grace and that we have salvation and that we have forgiveness from God, then, then the guilt that you feel for yourself or the guilt that other people lay on you is meaningless. It, now, psychologically, it's not. It's going gonna, it's gonna to weigh you down and, and it's stuff we have to work through. But in mm-hmm. reality is we have freedom in Christ. We have freedom that we can sit and we can say, hey, I'm going to seek after, you know, what is real truth. Why? Because you can't guarantee that you're going to get real truth from the people you listen to, right? Mm. From the beginning, I said, what I say? I said, Bob, you're wrong. I'm wrong. <laughs> like, like we, we, there's parts of our, our, our theology, our thinking, everything that's wrong, right? But that's right. okay, right? right? And everyone else who's sitting here listening saying, Oh, I'm listening to, to Bob and, and yeah, okay. Wait, Bob's not perfect, but wait, I can still let the Holy spirit. And that's, that's the key to me is, is, is the Holy spirit has to be talking to us or we don't have a prayer to hear what real truth is. Cause it is too easy to be manipulated. You know, mm. we see it by these, you know, big pastors that, you know, these monolithic churches that end up falling apart, right? And and a lot of people hurt and a lot of people like distraught. But why? Because we followed that man. We didn't follow the leading of God. 
And mm. if we want to understand that, then, then, then we have to be following his spirit or else we don't have hope. You, you may or may not disagree with this, but I've come to a place in my life and my transformation that I believe quite at this point, I've learned something different that what, what we refer to is to the Holy Spirit is that inner small inner voice that I think every human being has that if they would listen, and I think it's the divine spark. I think it is what we call God that makes us divine and or participate in that divinity, however you want to call that, that that we're taught to deny. And that's part of the shame that goes along. Many of us who brought up in certain religious structures were taught that we were born evil and we couldn't trust ourselves and we couldn't trust our hearts. And as a result, you then give over your agency, that inner voice that we all have, I believe, as human beings, to someone else to tell you what to believe. I mean, deep inside, you know, hey, wait, like you said, as a little boy, a man visiting you in in the hospital, your dad said one thing, but there was something inside of you that said, wait a second, that's not true. Rather than saying, well, okay, I must be wrong because my father's right, or the preacher told him something so that he has to be right. And so I think many times, again, my opinion is that we ignore that voice, like you said, I think some people call it the Holy Spirit. Some people call it other things, but I just say at this point in my belief that all of us have that inner voice. And I think it's really what the hard work is, is getting back to our true selves, not what the expectations of everybody else in the world has on us, but getting to our true selves and saying, this is the work. I think you said this before, it's like some sort of dualism. Like I'm, I'm on this side and everyone else is on the other side. No, that's not true. And so let's take a look at this. Let's, you know, so Bob, I've known you for a long time. So, you know, you grew up in the same church as I did. Right. And, 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 Mm -hmm. and, and you had an experience, a salvation experience like I did, you know, so from the church's standpoint, back to the control thing, is they want to control you. They want to say, hey, ooh, Bob, mm, don't know about what you just said there, Bob. You know, that doesn't really fit within our, our parameters, right? But but the Bible talks over and over again about the importance of us seeking truth, right, and seeking God. And what did it also say? It says, nothing can separate us from the love of God, neither right, height right. nor death, angels nor demons. Nobody's going to separate you from God. I think the thing that people want to do is they want to control people. They want to say, no, Bob, you can't think like that. You know, I want Mm -hmm. to control your thoughts, Bob. I want you to think like I do and behave like I do. And therefore, we can all be a nice, homogenous church. But I think that's the exact opposite of what we want. I think we want people to say, you know what? I'm going to challenge that, right? But I think grace is big enough for that. I think Mm -hmm. grace is plenty big enough for that. You know, we don't have to agree. We don't have to all believe exactly the same. And in fact, we don't want everybody to believe the same. We really want people to be saying, you know, I don't think that's right because my experience has not been that. And we often assume that everyone's experience is our experience, right? Mm -hmm. That the same salvation experience, the same thing, that's not true. Everybody's been through a lot of different things. Some people have been through a lot of pain and a lot of hurt right? And, and got it from their pastor mm-hmm. or their youth pastor. Like, for example, the, youth, the, the church we went to, the, one of the youth pastors after we were gone molested some of the kids there. Yep. 
Okay. I mean, that's harsh, right? And so what do you think about spirituality for one of those children who are now mm-hmm. adults, right? Yeah. Who have grown up, right? Do you expect them to have this, 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 you know, ah, you know, churches such as wonderful, wonderful experience? No, it's not. It's brutal. Mm. It's horrible. Right. Right. And so we've got to extend grace to those people and expect that they're not going to think the way we do. Right. They're not going to, they're not going to believe the way we do. Right. But it doesn't, doesn't stop the love and the grace from God. Yeah. Oh, I, I would agree with you on 99% of that. And I think this, the language that we're speaking ultimately, what, what I've come to, Dan, is this, is that I'm, I'm still a, on most days, a, I'm, I'm really good with Jesus. But I think the lens that I look through now, you call it grace. I can, I can still use that phrase. I think I call it love. I think Jesus's message as I've grown and changed and been through good times and bad times, the theme that that to me proves real and true and helpful and compelling is the things like him turning to them and saying, don't you know that the kingdom of heaven is within you? There's no other kingdom except the one that's in you. And him saying that love is everything. Scripture saying God is love. So therefore I see love as the manifestation of God and another name for God. All of those things, I think he was radically trying to get people to understand this is not about a religion. It's not about a book. It's about a love, a divine love that includes everyone. And so he would tell stories about Samaritans and women, and he would be seen with women because these were all people that were outside of God's love. They were outside from their perspective. They were outside of, quote, the blessing. They were, like you said, in and out. They were the ones that were out, and yet he was flipping that all upside down. And so those are the things that that still resonate from for me. And so you've mentioned and I've mentioned a couple of times things that sometimes pain can be extremely transformative. Mm-hmm. What's been the hardest moment or, or period for you, Dan, so far? Well, Bob, let's face it. I mean, I I'm blessed by God and I live a life of privilege, right? I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm a white guy with a Christian name and it's easy to spell. Right. <laughs> I mean, right. so, so it's hard, right. It's hard for me to say that. I, I will tell you that, that hard, hard for me to sit and say, you know, real pain and suffering, right. Because mm. in comparison to other people's pain, I, I don't feel like I have, but I've had some challenging moments and, and things you may not even know, like my mom, who you knew, she was sure. an alcoholic. She was also, she also smoked. I remember getting calls in college, you know, her drunk saying, you know, complaining that she didn't think I was going to church enough, you know, hmm. a little bit of irony there. And then going and working through and understand that influence in my life, you know, luckily, you know, somebody pointed it out to our pastor Merle, right. Who, who confronted her with it and she, and she, you know, admitted to it and got help and right. And, and, you know, got off the alcoholism and then later got, you know, stopped smoking. But at the end of the day, the smoking and all the alcohol, it, it cost her her life. You know, she ended up dying early seventies. Right. So, so that was, that was significant understanding like the effect of growing up with an alcohol parent, alcoholic parent. Right. And not even recognizing it. I mean, literally I went all the way through college and even that experience I was telling you about it it didn't register until my pastor calls me and says, Hey, you know, is your mom an alcoholic? And I'm like, 
yeah, she is, you know, I, I, you know, I just didn't even, didn't even know it. And, and so I think that and dealing, dealing with that and dealing with all of the issues around that were rough. But again, I still have a hard time saying that's, that's difficult, but I'll say, Bob, something else. There was this girl, Tony, that was in our church and you, you remember her, mm-hmm. right? She went one time. I don't know why she did this, but she gave me a little sheet of paper that, that she had written on it. And she created this with a, a quote from somebody, fictitious character she had made and said, memory is difficult, even if one remembers. And one of the things about my life is I grew up with a, with a disability. And part of that is memory is horrible. I mean, my memory is horrible. And I take a lot of effort just to memorize something simple. And they, they told my parents, hey, you know, he's not, he's not going to go to college and he may not graduate high school. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, I have a master's degree now. Why? Why? Because of, you know, my parents and they're leading and directing me to get through that. It's an, it was very difficult. Everything that seems simple for most people is very difficult for me. But even still with that, you know, the, the, the advantages though are there like things that haunt people, right. Things that sit in sit in their memory, you know, the pain that they felt from whatever. I don't have that problem. I don't mm. remember it. Right. It literally, <laughs> literally, you know, I have to really concentrate to, to, to really get down to be bitter. Right. You mm. know, I have to really like hold a grudge against somebody, you know, going to take, take a lot of work, a lot of work, you know, and, and I just, it's just not, it's just not me. And I love that, you know, and there's people who have amazing memories, but they, they also deal with mm. the, uh, you know, the pain and the hard periods mm. and remember them. Wow. That's amazing. In one light, I'm sure it's been difficult in others, but thank you for sharing that about your mom. I know that I, I know that's hard in one sense, but I'm sure that through that, you've seen some amazing transformation in your family and yourself that certainly couldn't see at the time. So, for sure, I know you have. I know you have two wonderful daughters. What What have your children taught you, Dan? Well, Bob, you know we were raised that children are to be uh, seen and not heard. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. How'd that go? <laughs> No, that's the way I was raised. You know, it's like, yeah. uh, no, 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 definitely not for my daughters. You know, I have learned perseverance from them and not that, hey, they've done bad things and I have to persevere through it. No, not at all. It's, it's, they have this characteristic that I just don't have. Right. Mm. And that is like when I went to college and I took a subject and it was hard. Well, what do you do? You drop out, right? You know, you stop, you, know, you withdraw and you move on and you change your major or whatever. They're driven. Like my oldest, she is a pharmacist and went through pharmacy school and, you know, studied and worked hard, got out of it. And in the current world, she couldn't find a job as a pharmacist. So here she, Mm. you know, we're dealing with the the debt related to pharmacy and couldn't find a job, took a part-time job, whatever, but still persisted, persisted, persisted and didn't take the the job at CVS. I don't know if you've ever been to a CVS pharmacy Mm -hmm. or Walgreens. Those, those pharmacists, that's that's a life of hell, right? But she no, I wasn't, she wasn't gonna settle for it. She wanted a particular type thing and she got it and she's doing it. My youngest daughter, for some reason, I don't know why medicine, but but she wants to be a pediatrician. And she had I've seen her like persistent study, study for the mm-hmm. MCAT, which is what tests you have to take to get in there and take it multiple times to make sure that she's going to get to the school she wants to get to. Fantastic. Right? And it, it's amazing. 
And, but let me add to it, you know, got the daughter of my wife. She is amazing, right? I, I married, you know, I married an amazing woman, amazing woman of God, right? And, and the thing I've learned from her is, is like, look for God's purpose in every little thing, mm-hmm. right? When you make a choice, when an event happens, think about why. Think about, you know, what is God doing? You know, why did he give me this job, you know? There are people out there who are hurting, who are in need. And I married a woman who just, her focus is, okay, who do I need to help? Hmm. Now, most of the time, it's, 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 it's those who are, are not included and not accepted, right? My wife will work with people with disabilities that are there and she loves it. Or, or if a kid comes in and they're uh, a migrant child, right? That's colloquial terms over there for, for someone who's a, you know, potentially undocumented immigrant, and she'll spend her time and focus and helping helping them. And that to me has brought me out of my, you know, sometimes of just, hey, you know, just sitting here thinking about, you know, stuff as opposed to being active, right? And doing mm. things, making a difference. And that's the, that to me is key. I go back to, I should have learned it from the, from the man who visited me in the hospital, right? It wasn't what he believed. It wasn't what he thought. It's what he did that made a difference. And my yeah, wife yeah. always tells me this quote. I'm sure you've heard it a thousand times or many people have. People don't remember what you say. They don't remember what you do. They remember how you made them feel. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good. That's good. We can all learn from that. And your daughters, did they and do they, and I, again, I don't want you to speak for them, but <laughs> did they... Did, did you brought them up maybe a little bit differently than than you and I were brought up? Maybe not. I don't know. But is there anything that you are learning from them in the midst of 2021? How they handle pandemic? How they handle Black Lives Matter? How they handle LGBTQ issues? All those things that for young people today, these we they're dealing with different things, and I would argue mm-hmm. probably bigger things than we had to deal with. Although. You know, I believe every human being is the same. And, and I'm not asking you to get into specifics of any of that, but I know from me and my kids, um, I've learned a lot from them on uh, how to treat people, how to see things differently, how to look at things from a totally different perspective that I would have never seen if I hadn't been looking at through the eyes of my own children. Can you relate to that in any way? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I- Think about it. The kids I've raised, and I've raised them in, in in very strong Christian churches, right? They're not the 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 people we were, right? At all, mm-hmm. they're they're one very liberal, mm-hmm. right? and you know they are not Republican. Mm-hmm. You know they are in in no way, shape, or form. My youngest daughter wears the tax the rich AOC shirt, <laughs> but but she is. She's a woman of God too. Mm. We watched the same, you know, during the pandemic, we watched the same church together and just loved it. It ate it up, right? So here we are, you know, watching the same same service together. She got raised differently. Now, yeah, I'm I'm a lot farther left than I was when you knew me. Sure. You know, that thing, you know, we we've changed, right? But but I look and I see, oh wow, she is. She believes passionately and is really motivated by, 
you know, inequality, right. And, and, and seeing people and suffering and, and how can I help them and, and what can I do to, to make their lives better where, where, when I was that age, I wasn't thinking about anybody but myself. Right. Mm. And here we are, you know, they're, they're you know, they're in their twenties now, but even still before that, you know, passionate about that. My, my oldest daughter, she's got this great, you know, craft detector. If I could the yeah. best one, right. You know, it's like, she, you was, can, you can say bullshit on this. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Very good. I can say whatever. All right. So, so, so yeah. So she looks and she sees and hears things that, you know, and, and immediately says, no, that's not right. But says it, right? Actually, they both do, right? Mm-hmm. They both, you know, gotten in trouble for pointing out things that 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 they saw were wrong, but it doesn't bother them. Mm-hmm. You know? Whereas I, I was much more timid. Like I didn't want to make, I didn't want to hurt somebody's feelings. I didn't want to tell right. you, oh, I, you know, I disagree with you, you know, or Bob, you're wrong, or whatever. No, you know, no, they will not hesitate to point out. Crap, I love that. Right? But, I love know. that. Well, you've raised two strong women that will have a great impact in the world and, and motivated by love. And what else could you ask for? I agree. Um, I agree. That's amazing. Dan, just in closing, I, I just want to jump back to what we talked about earlier, just, just to leave our listeners with any thoughts or tips, because the how of everything we've talked about is much harder than the what, meaning in a world that's so polarizing, in a world that that really pushes all of us to to pick a side, what are some tips that that you follow for yourself to keep from falling into the us versus them mindset? Because even the left does it, the right does it, and trying to look at things objectively, scientifically, and ultimately motivated by love. How do you how do you hold that? And what are some tips maybe that you use that you can share with our listeners? All right, Bob. Let's let me say let me let me prove my 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 Southern Baptist uh, upbringing by saying John three sixteen. Right, at least the first part. Right, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Right, the whole thing. Whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, shall have eternal life. Right. It's inclusive. Right. Mm. It's everybody. He didn't say, "Well, God so loved," you know, the people who believe like this. Mm. God so loved, you know the 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 white man right the the white woman right no he didn't say that he said the world everyone and if you take a look at everything from his perspective right not your perspective not your group's perspective right and i strong you know i really believe in groups they're important and important for us to find commonality but if you try your best to look at the perspective of how god sees it. And now how can we do that? And I, I, I mentioned this before, I really believe we're in a new reformation. I think we're in a time where we have so much opportunity to change how things are done. Why? Because we have so much more access, right? I can listen to the guy who made veggie tales, right? Mm-hmm. In a podcast, right? I can, I can, you know, have access to books from other people, from, from feminist writers, from, from, from different perspectives, right? And that's that way, you know, a pragmatic way of saying, hey, maybe I can break out of, of the rut I'm in, in my mindset and how I was brought up, right? Because, you know, we hear, you know, we, we are when we were, right? That we're, we're a creature of, you know, what we were, where we were raised and all that sort of stuff. The only way to break out of that is, is to, to get that 
that chance for God to speak to you from various different places, mm. right? Mm. Don't assume you know it all. Don't assume your pastor knows it all or your Bible study teacher or that Bob knows it all even or any of Bob's no, guests. Please, not all. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever, whatever. Yeah, otherwise we'll have to start going through all your stories from, from childhood that we've yeah. together. Right? Part two. <laughs> Part two. But no, that's that's it. I mean, just really, I really believe mm. that, that God sees things completely different than we do. And we want to have his vision and his love mm. for everyone. And mm. and and just trying to find that. And and believe, I really believe that the Holy Spirit will guide every single person who's seeking for that truth to find it. At the same time, may look different than what we think it needs to be. And hold being able to hold other human beings that loose, meaning I'm not responsible. I'm not responsible for you or your your future. I'm not responsible for you believing the way I do. I'm just responsible to to love you and be there if you need me. Um and I think I think it's so, so hard for me. I don't know about you in today because Gosh, people can be so unlovable. I know I can, <laughs> but it's just it's kind of a kind of a crazy world. But but I appreciate you modeling that with you and your family. And you do you do a really good job of that, Daniel. And and I, I hope people will will hear that in your voice. I think that's what you've communicated today. Thanks, Bob. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks again for for coming on and walking a little bit of a a stroll down memory lane. Like I said, we'll have to to catch up offline off the show and, and swap stories, both the old ones together and, and maybe some of the ones of, of our families in the last several years. So again, thank you. Do you have a blog or anything that I can share with people? I do not. I do not. I am mostly a geek, Bob. I'm a geek. <laughs> I, I play board games. I like video games still. So yeah, no, not not a yeah, blogger. Yeah. Like you would fit in with my my two sons specifically. They they are board game and video game geeks. So maybe we'll nice. get our families together one of these days. We should. We should. Okay, Daniel. Well, thanks again. Much love to your family, and hope to to talk to you again really soon. Thanks, Bob. Talk to you All soon. Right. Bye.